Welcome back to another episode of 5 a.m. Theology. So, Chris, we are finishing up the book of Exodus this week. And I got to Exodus 32, and that is a, another jam-packed chapter. It's the whole story of the golden calf, a well-known story, but there's a lot of stuff in that chapter. We were talking about last time how the Israelites suffered from short-term memory loss, like we all do sometimes. They had forgotten everything that God had done for them. And after God had done all that we talked about, got him out of Egypt, the Passover, the plagues, they plundered the Egyptians, they just handed over their treasure, God parted the Red Sea, he purified the drinking water, he gave them manna and quail, and at this point they had defeated the Amalekites, and every day they were given new mercies and he was graciously taking care of them. When they wander in the desert, he even makes sure their clothes and sandals never wear out. I know. He's so unbelievably good to them. And then we get to 32 and they get plunged into sin. They do. They really do. So Moses has gone up the mountain and he's been there a while. And this kills me because they say to Aaron, that fellow, we don't know where that fellow Moses went. <laughs> just, that just, I don't know why. That line, there's a couple lines in this chapter that just kill me. And that's one of them. We don't know where that fellow Moses went. Yeah, we don't know what happened to him. I mean, first they say, make us gods, little G. Yes. yes who will go yeah. before us. Talk about memory loss. Now they probably learned to worship pagan gods while they were in Egypt, because obviously the Egyptians were pagans. But this quick, like you said, Chris, we don't know where this Moses went. So now let's let's go back to Egypt. We talked about this last time, how they were right. they wanted to go wallow back in Egypt. Well, here they go again. They're gonna go now to paganism. When I read that, this time what stuck out to me was make us gods who, who will go before us. Moses has been gone a while, which means they haven't heard from God in a while. So when they say we, this fellow Moses, we don't know where he goes. Once again, just like with the food, they're not really grumbling against Moses. It may seem like it. They're grumbling against God. What they're they really are. saying is we don't know where God went. We haven't heard from him. So you know what? Let's the revert paganism. to the pagan God, to paganism. Surely they still all believed in Yahweh, but they're willing to do a little syncretism and bring in some Egyptian paganism. But is that yeah. is that really different than Christians who, who go to church, say Jesus is their Lord, but they still want to read their horoscope. They still want to participate in those, send this to 10 people and you will receive blessings beyond your wildest dreams. When you look at it, is it any different? It's really not because it is all syncretism. It's not admitting to God's sovereignty when you do that. You know, none of those things are. You're right. They wanted to practice syncretism. They just want to add to God. It's not that they didn't well, believe in Yahweh anymore. They just didn't know where he went. I knew someone who was a professing Christian, went to church, but she wanted to check her horoscope just to see what was in store for her the day. That's the exact same thing yeah. as this. Yes, I know I God, a lot. big G is there. Yahweh is there. But you know what? I want these little gods to come and yeah. help me out. I agree. I, I don't know if some people just don't think of it as paganism. I don't think, they I don't do. know. I, I don't think, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't think they do. I mean, even things as small as 
we'll, we're, hopefully we'll have a good trip. Knock on wood. Guess what? That's paganism. It is. It is. And now I know people that I know are genuine Christians and once in a while they'll do it. And most of the time I don't say anything because it's not usually the time to try to correct their theology. They're not thinking of it. And it's, it's such a habit. It's again, it's, it's kind of like our words. It's something to think about. What are these little colloquiums that we still say that we've heard forever? What you say and what you do matters. It matters for your own sanctification, but it matters for your witness. It, you know, it just, it matters. Right. It does. When you say in front of other people, then they think that means something to knock on wood or, Mm -hmm. you know, look at your horoscope. So in this passage, what gets me is Aaron has everybody bring their gold. He's going to make them a, he's going to make them an idol and they bring him the gold. Like I said, this section kills me. Bring me the gold, your gold earrings and all that stuff. And then he fashions, he fashions it with a tool. And when Moses comes down, he says, I just threw, I I just threw it in there and this came out. I just threw all that gold in there and this came out. Well, you know, in my Uh, Bible, I have a note. Aaron is the biggest disappointment in this entire chapter. I love how cool God is. We're doing a series of No Trash, Just Truth on 1 Corinthians. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about pastors who are more concerned with answering and getting approval from their congregation than they are about answering to God and getting approval from God. Well, Aaron is the epitome of that. He even says to them, yeah. These are your gods, little G with an S, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Like That's right. He does say what that. What is that? And then, like you said, when he gets caught, he says, I don't know. I, I threw it in and out popped this. Like <laughs> After he fashioned it with a tool. Uh, yeah, you're right. He is the biggest disappointment. And it's sad. It's really sad. I mean, I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's very sad. It's the wording, I think, that gets me laughing. But I just think to myself, what what was he thinking? Like he had been with Moses. I think he caved into the to the people. He, you know, he he didn't want to be. Oh, he did totally. And I gotta say, we were talking, we were joking last week how thankful the Israelites should be that we weren't God at this time. Really, any time in history that I'm be thankful I'm not God. But here, I mean. God is so merciful to Aaron. Aaron does end up getting punished and not seeing the promised land, but it's not because of this. No, he is very gracious to Aaron after this. It's a picture of just how gracious God is with his people because Aaron was his person. We will see Aaron in heaven. Yeah, God is incredibly gracious. One thing that I note before we get to kind of how this all plays out is in verse 17, It said, when Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's the sound of war in camp. Joshua was not in the camp with the Israelites. In fact, when we get to Exodus 33, we see that Joshua is never in the camp with the Israelites. He's either with Moses, waiting a far distance away when Moses is on the mountain talking to God, or he's in the tent of meeting. When Moses is in the camp, Joshua stays in the tent. And I thought, wow, what a picture. Here's God keeping Joshua separate from the people because he's going to be their leader and he doesn't want them polluted or corrupted by the Israelite sin. And I thought, 
what a merciful thing to do for Joshua to keep him separate, to keep him pure. Was, that is an excellent point. I had I had never seen before, but you're right. It, it keeps him separate. He's set apart. He's set apart to do God's work and kept separate from the sinful Israelites. Not that they were all, but yeah, it just, it's amazing. It's amazing. That's a great point. It's a great point. So I think the distinction goes on when you get to verse 27, God is making a distinction, his people and who aren't his people. Moses calls everyone who was faithful to God and the Levites all come. Yeah. And they go through the camp and they kill, I think 3000. I always wonder how they knew who to kill and who not to. And was it just everybody that was partying? You know, I have no idea. Moses made them drink the water with the ground up tablets. So it, it, that always kind of puts me in the mind of the adultery test. Mm. I don't know. I'm not saying there's anything correlating there. I'm just saying it just puts me in the mind of that when they, there's dust taken off the temple floor and put in the drinking water and the wife has to drink it. And if, if she's guilty, then what her stomach swells and thigh wastes away. Um, that's a great point. I think that's a great point. I think God is making the distinction because the Levites, he tells them, kill your brother, your friend, your neighbor. And Moses says to them, you've been set apart to the Lord today for you were against your own sons and brothers. And he has blessed mm -hmm. you this day. Well, yeah. how many of us are going to be in the situation where we have brothers and sisters and parents and kids and other loved ones who aren't believers. I know there's division that way all the way through the Bible. Yeah. And, and we've talked about it over and over. And sometimes in our life, we may have to make a choice where if, if there's family keeping us from God, we need to cut them off. You know, talk about a symbol of a sword. Muslims who become Christians have to do it all the time. Usually they their do. family's trying to kill them, but they yeah, have to I like mean, totally divorce themselves from their families. And yeah. And we need to be able to witness the gospel to them, but we can't hang out and, and get drugged down into their muck and mire throwing right. their false beliefs. Uh, we just can't. Yeah. I made it's one sad. more note here about killing by the sword. There's lots of examples of people being killed by the sword in, in scripture. Usually it's the wicked. I think this is symbolic of being judged by the word of God. I mean, Hebrews 4, 12 to 13 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. It sounds like it, doesn't it? it sounds very much like that. You're right. I think I said a few weeks ago, I've been making notes of New Testament verses while we're in the Old Testament. And then I'll do the same in the New Testament with Old Testament verses. And you really just see that it is not anywhere close to 66 separate books. I mean, it is, but it isn't. It is the same theme, the same message, the same story. And it could only have been written by one person, despite there being about 40 authors, it really could have only been written by one person. Yeah, exactly. And that person is God. Exactly. In case anybody was wondering, not that anybody would be wondering about that, I don't think. But 
the chapter ends with you said three thousand were killed by the sword, and then God sends a plague. Um, he sends a plague and says, you know, I'm going to kill more with the plague, and we don't know how many were killed with the plague. Could have been more than three thousand. Could have been less. But then God says, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. Some people see the judgment of God pretty quickly. Some don't see it until much later, but everybody sees it. Yeah. Eventually we will all see it one day in one day. Yeah. And all who aren't written in the book of life, as he says in this chapter, they're going to be under his condemnation and they're going to be judged and they're going to get punished for their sin. The sin we would be punished for if it weren't for Jesus. Yeah. And just mentioning that there is a correlation between the drinking the water with the stuff from the temple floor down to its dregs and Christ drinking that cup of wrath down to its dregs in our place, taking our place, taking our punishment, the punishment that we deserve so that we don't have to. I think that's an excellent point. Something we need to remember, not have short-term memory loss. Like we're guilty of, but like the Israelites were certainly guilty of. Yeah, we are guilty of it. Thankfully, thankfully, we don't have to pay the price. That's right. And that's a great place to end today. Have a blessed morning, everybody. Mm -hmm.